Welcome to the A great time of year. It's it's still hot and muggy at this time of year, but we're coming into the time of year where we have lots of sports happening, and we just left the Olympics period, so right. what a time to talk about this stuff. And we have two great guests because we want to discuss the role of women in sports, this what it's like for the individuals, and what it's like in culture, and how we handle it, and how we looked at it in the past. And we have two great sportswomen with us today. First, we have Jill. She is a fantastic boxer, but Jill, please go ahead and uh, introduce okay. yourself. Well, I am a boxer, but I learned that later in life. I, I'm a writer and a filmmaker uh, first, but I took up boxing and I've been in boxing now for 15 years. Um, I fought for 10 years and I won the National Golden Gloves in the Masters Division and now I mostly coach and try to support other women who are trying to achieve their dream and while still writing screenplays and getting making these films and stuff like that. So I'm a little busy. All <laughs> awesome. Right. So that's Jill Morley. <laughs> oh, my God. And, uh, Jill, I was, was, I was holding off on uh, first and last names because I wasn't sure if everybody wants the last name said. But uh, for in case of Emily, who is here, a former professional basketball player and black belt in jiu-jitsu. Emily, welcome. Please introduce yourself. Thanks very much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So I guess um, I should point out what qualifies me to be speaking on women's behalf based on my own athletic background. So I was an equestrian. Then I was a college athlete at Simon Fraser University in Canada, which played in the NAIA and we were champions. I was a Kodak All-American. I played in the Canadian national team for six years. And then I played professionally um, in Germany, Australia, and Switzerland. After I retired from basketball, I became a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I won uh, the world championships in Nogi in 2012. Fabulous. There you go. And the so, crowd goes wild. Fantastic. Exactly. Two very, very gifted and accomplished athletes. Um, so perfect for this discussion. Um, so, okay, why don't we just jump right into it? Let's talk about, uh, because this is specifically about how women in sports are viewed now. And let's maybe just start from the personal and the individual. What's your history? Uh, we'll start with uh, Jill. What's your history? How did you, what was your sports history growing up? How were you accepted in terms of playing sports? That sort of thing. How did you um, end up in boxing? <laughs> well, I, I grew up playing sports. I was a little tomboy. You know, um, I I felt very different. I think there's a question that you guys are asking about genders. And I felt like, I mean, if I came up today, I would be, you know, um, a fluid, gender fluid person, you know, mm. um, back then. Um, we just didn't have names. They called me a tomboy. So I played, right. you know, I climbed trees and played baseball with the boys. Um, I was the only girl on an all little league team that my dad was the coach. <laughs> where um, where did you grow up, Jill? I think I know. The New answer. Oh, I grew up in New Jersey. Um, and it was like during the seventies and eighties. So that was, you know, there were not, it was, there was not girls baseball, you know, later right. on we could play right. girls softball, but I was the only girl on the team. There were maybe a couple of other girls in the whole league. Um, and then I kind of moved on to tennis because I felt like, I, you know, tennis, you wear a skirt. It's kind of more of a feminine sport, I guess. 
Um, you know, I, I say, I, I would joke that, you know, I, I still, I got to hit things, you know, um, now I hit things directly and I, I used to just hit them with a racket. Now I hit them directly. Right. Um, but I played and I was, I, I was a decent player. I played for my high school team. We made first team all state. Um, and then I played, um, for Villanova university, which is a division one school. Um, but I never wow. felt it's a great like, school. It's a great, especially if people know sports, it's a great sports school too. Yeah, it's tough, but I'm also, you know, I'm 5'2", 110 pounds. So um, if I'm playing Serena Williams, it's kind of rough. <laughs> yeah. but, well, um, uh, we have two ends of the spectrum because you're 5'2", and Emily, you are? 6'5". 6'5". Oh, awesome. I love tall women. I think it's <laughs> the most amazing thing. I totally want to be tall. But in, at least in boxing, there's weight classes, you know, so it felt like I could be on more even ground. Right. Um, where, you know, because I think the height does make a difference when you're serving and you've got those long, powerful legs. I mean, look at Serena Williams, you know. Right. So, um, but I was grateful I got to play on the team and be a part of, be a part of that. And then um, I just kept doing sports, like working out and running. Um, but I just wanted to do a contact sport. I wound up doing Taekwondo. I did that for years. I got a black belt. And then I just noticed that when I was sparring, I kept punching people. And I didn't want to kick as much as I wanted to punch. Mm. And so my my sensei was just like, you know, Jill, don't punch anymore. You know, you're because I was I was kind of hurting people. <laughs> and, and I didn't mean it. I just I just would get frustrated and want to punch. So I just thought, you know what, why don't you just box? And then, <laughs> then um, you know, you'll satisfy that. And then I, I turned to that, and it was much more difficult than I ever anticipated. But it taught me a lot, and I had to get through a lot of personal obstacles <clears throat> and past trauma in order to transcend that and become a decent fighter. And then, just on top of that, a good fighter. You know, um, I made a film during that time called "Fight Like a Girl." Uh, which is on, it's on YouTube now, but it played at the Artemis Film Festival and won Best Documentary, which was really nice. fun. We were, and, we were blown um, away by it. For the listener, I was, that was the film festival I was part of and founded. And it was a, it's a festival that focuses on women's action, films about female action heroes, sportswomen, warrior women, etc. And Jill's film just really blew us away. It was an amazing documentary. And I highly, highly, genuinely recommend that people see it. Oh, thank you. Well, I mean, it and it's funny. It doesn't show my like, oh, I'm I'm such a great athlete. What a great athletic prowess! It really shows more my weaknesses and my vulnerability, and um, which you know was very difficult to show. But I also know that it helps people, you know, yes. and it helps yes. people, especially when you know you're not on top of the world and you feel like a loser and you can't, you know, and, yeah. but you know. In any athlete, I'm sure Emily agrees, you just have to keep picking yourself up and dust yourself up and you try again and you get make yourself better. And that's a mindset I would love for more young women to have because I know I didn't quite have it um, until much later. Mm. Fascinating. Emily, yeah, would you, old, what's uh, your, sorry. Sorry, oh, sorry. The old, you know, fall down six times, get up seven, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What about you, Emily? How what was your journey into sports? I mean, uh, you are six five. Were you tall? Were you all always? Let's say, did you stand out physically with the other kids? How did that affect you, particularly as a female, uh, in terms of that? Yeah, it's like people have always been making a big deal about my body ever since I was a little kid because I've always been the biggest. When I was born in the hospital, I was the longest baby. I was six feet tall when I was 13. And so, oh, it's wow. always, so people have always been like making a, a big deal about how I'm different. And so that's been a thing for me, like, because every day when I go out in the world, people have some comment um, that my height is making them feel a certain way, right? But my when I was in high school, of course, my coaches, the basketball coaches, I was sort of an unwilling basketball player and they dragged me on the court. I didn't really have a choice. My first love was horses, which teaches you to be really tough to be around horses. And so it, it worked out. Um, 
basketball was a great way to get uh, good education and to see the world afterwards. Um, it's rough on the body, like there's nowhere really to go with it afterwards. But then when I was doing jujitsu, I wish that I had started jujitsu earlier because that did a lot of good for my confidence. And um, I was mostly training with men because at the time I was starting jujitsu, there really weren't um, very many women in the sports. So that was pretty different too, to be training every day with, with men. How long ago was that, Emily? Because of course we know now, and I'm a big fan of women's MMA, that there are lots of women training in MMA and jiu-jitsu. So where about when, about what time frame was this when you were training? I started in New York City with Henzo Gracie. And oh, was, wow. Yeah. So I did my white through purple belt with Henzo. And so that must have been when I was in New York, um, probably starting 2004-ish, something like that. Can yeah. I just uh, interject for people, Henzo Gracie, the Gracie family is uh, people, I mean, as, as some people know, know me, I'm a martial arts geek, I study martial arts and I love it. Uh, Henzo Gracie, the Gracie family is probably the premier martial arts family ever. Premier in the world right now, premier ever. They were the people who, who brought about this thing that is very popular now, Brazilian style jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. They popularized it and they really are the family that made MMA a thing, mm -hmm. right? They were doing it back in, God, decades ago, where yeah. we're just bare knuckle fighting in rings and stuff like that. So just anyway, so to have studied with them is a very prestigious thing. So yeah, I'm sorry, no, Emily. When I first started with him too, he hadn't blown up the way that he is a big name now. So he was just down the street from me in Hell's Kitchen. And the gym, the dojo was right above a methadone treatment facility. And oh like had God. to go up the elevator that was always breaking with uh, people, shall we say, having a really hard time. And um, so when I first started in jiu-jitsu, there were really no women. It seemed like there, there was maybe one other um, girl in the class. And then we just got thrown into the shark tank, as they called it. Not you just like just try to survive without having a background in martial arts either. So it was um, it was a pretty tough wow. beginning, but also like uh, I learned how to take a beating, shall we say. Mm. Wow. Trial by yeah. fire. Yeah. So you, you both have uh, experience with combat sports. I, I do at some point, Emily, want to get back to the sort of the difference between combat sports and team sports and, uh, and, and playing that. Well, also, Julie, you have as well have the same experience. So I wouldn't want to ask both of you about that. But sticking just with the, the combat sport individual mindset, Julie, you had mentioned about, you know, what boxing taught you in terms of just your inner strength your perseverance, that sort of thing. So I want to ask both of you about that. Can you talk a little more, Jill and Emily, about what sports did for you? And do you think that uh, looking at it from a gender standpoint, what kind of value that brought specifically as a woman in terms of uh, handling that kind of stuff? Well, I think any sport, most sports push you outside your comfort zone, right? I mean, to learn something, you're pushed outside your comfort zone. And, you know, I, I didn't learn how to box till I was 40, <laughs> you know. Um, wow. But I really, you know, actually a lot of the same movements from tennis I incorporate in boxing, like turning the shoulders and the hips and that kind of a thing. So it kind of translated pretty well. Um, but what I, I guess it did give me, it gave me more confidence. And then it also showed me that I could overcome serious issues. Uh, by just working at it. Um, and for me, it was post-traumatic stress disorder and uh, from, from getting beaten. And I would have panic attacks in the ring when I was sparring. And wow. um, I didn't want to have them. You know, I wanted right. to just be like right. everybody else. But I had to stop. And, you know, and eventually I had to learn how to train my way out of that, how to like slowly but surely, like not get thrown in with pros. I was getting thrown in with pros and Golden Gloves winners. And my coach was actually telling them to try to beat me up because he want, he said, try to make her quit. Wow. Um, but I didn't quit. I just got beat up, you know. And then it wasn't until I went to another coach where they kind of built me up and were more nurturing and uh, slowly brought me up to the fight stage. And then I just got better and better. And that's the way I train people. 
you know? Yes. Yeah. Why, why did he want to make you quit? I mean, was this something he did for everybody? Was it specific to you? I'm just trying to understand what his... I think maybe because he saw the way I was reacting to the ring, the, the PTSD and the panic attacks, he just thought maybe the boxing is not for me. And that mm -hmm. if I just got beat up, I would just not come back. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, that's an, that's one way to approach it, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, I mean, that, that is, there are trad combat traditions and mindsets. And as you can imagine, there are going to be people who, when they study, when they do martial arts and combat sports, there's the nurturing form, which I think, resonates with most people and it's the beauty of the art you know it's the beauty of the soul hoping you build your soul as well as your body but then there are people who are just you know it's about banging on somebody so um you know you're going to get that sadly yeah and, and you know boxing is the red-headed stepchild of martial arts <laughs> mm -hmm. you know it's not got it, i mean it's not as nurture soulful and nurturing because there's some you know there, there's some really shady stuff going on there too you know yeah. it's not as like oh you know let's all do this so um you know there's that aspect and just old school and this is how they learned and they see someone weak they're like oh let's get rid of them and they see that as a weakness and it's like okay yeah it is weakness but i want to get better and um you know i just actually had a girl come in today who trained with me who said that her coach put her in with a pro had her beat her up mm. and just kind of yelled at her and told her she should be better by now mm. um you know, why wasn't she faster? Why isn't she doing that? I'm like, wow, that's really helpful, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That doesn't make her teach her how to be faster. No, and it, it's, <laughs> up to her. it's up to her. It's like, I'm not, you know, you don't need, you're demoralized enough when you get beat up in the ring or right. on the, whatever in the mat. It's just like, no, it's not what you need is more beating up. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, but, um, but that still exists. So I'm still, I mean, it's funny. I'm still getting people who are, basically have a, abusive trainers i would say that's abusive or having her spar a man and uh when the guy punches her and she flies across the ring he's like oh she's he's just working with you he's a pro if he wanted to hurt you you'd be knocked out wow oh man yeah what, what about you emily what was your experience in terms of coming up and what did what did it do for you especially working with the, that uh, very well-known very august uh, family of fighters well, um, I guess I'd start first with my horses experience mm -hmm. and that horses is a very like female centric sports, lots of young girls with that and lots of female coaches. And mm. generally it's one of those sports where you fall off, you get up and the coaches there are tough on you, but it's in a loving way. So you're, you're taught to be tough and, and suck it up. And in basketball, um, my, I was really lucky in college to have a really great coach and she, I was lucky cause I was kind of an outlier. Like I, I'm not really a jock. I'm also an artist. Some kind of, I suppose a little kooky compared to in quotes, like regular jocks. Like I was more outrageous in some ways. And I had a coach that who accepted me and worked with me and that was really helpful to not be um as a young woman made to feel like stupid because i was different from my teammates so so she helped me have a lot of confidence through basketball uh and so were you were you like the dennis rodman of your team is that that's a good analogy yeah i was definitely i didn't didn't fit in uh, you know, I was always doing weird things with my hair, you know, getting a tattoo, just um, a little different from the straight laced rest of my team. Just like Dennis Robin, I was going to make a comment, but you can hear there are sirens in the background. It just makes it more exciting. So I'll leave the sirens in. <laughs> and then for jujitsu, I think um, I really wish that I'd started that younger, some sort of martial art, because it does teach you to be less afraid of the contact less afraid of men right because when you have that someone is like directly on top of you um like because i didn't know how to fight before and now like maybe i'm a few years off like fighting form but i'm not i know i have good common sense but i'm not going to be afraid of someone touching me where before I think as a woman, like um, we just always have our radar going for danger, right? 
And so martial arts is really helpful just to feel like you can rely on yourself a little bit. Like you'll, you won't back down, you'll stand up if something happens. Right. Yeah. It, it, uh, when we were, um, when we were having self-defense workshops through Babes with Blades back in Chicago, uh, the number one thing that, uh, the the martial arts instructor who came in to teach the workshops, uh, kept, kept sort of leaning on is don't look like a victim, awareness, 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 and, and don't look like a victim because if you, if you show your fear, um, then that is going to attract people who are looking for easy marks. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you walk around with confidence, um, then they're going to, they're going to pass you by. Don't you tell the uh, listener what Babes with Blades is? So. Oh, sure. Uh, our regular listeners have heard me talk about this before, but Babes with Blades is an all-female stage combat theater company that started in Chicago in 1997 that I founded and um, is still uh, is still there, is still producing theater. Well, not during the pandemic, but uh, once the pandemic uh, danger passes, we'll be producing theater again that focuses on um, women in fighting roles. Thank you. Emily, could I ask you a little more about the, the women who coached you in equestrian and in basketball? And just is there, was there a difference in terms of the style that you think that had to do with women coaching women? Is it just purely just that just happened to be the people you meet? What was different for you with those coaches versus some of the other coaches that you had? Like my male coaches later on? Yeah. Um, you know, I think if you're a good coach, it doesn't really matter what gender you are. If you're a good coach, you're tapping into a player's um, psychology, not just uh, on an individual level, but for the team collectively. And good coaches will make you feel stronger. And like Henzo, when he he is the an ability to make everybody feel really good. So he'd see me walking in the gym and he'd be like, Emily, tough as nails, you know? So you just feel, but like at the same time, uh, someone could later say, what are you doing? Do you have shit for brains? Like, but it, but it's somehow okay if someone that you know cares about you is yelling at you as long as you know um, that, they do care. So I learned, and in basketball too, you're used to having just coaches up in your face yelling, but somehow it doesn't. I'm a very sensitive person in my regular life, but um, when you play sports, you just get used to someone yelling at you. And, and for me anyway, it didn't offend me. Whereas in my personal life, if you said something to me, I'd get my feelings hurt but hurt. But um, and it's, it's when it comes to sports, you hear the message, you know, take it in and proceed, right? So I think it maybe teaches you to be a little bit impassive and tough as far as um, just not getting upset about things, but just dealing with adversity in any form. So have you, you say you're sensitive, you know, you know, outside of sports, has it made you, has it toughened that sensitivity up even outside of it? Or do you find that it's just, you turn the on off switch when you go and you, you play sports? Uh, that's a good question. I, I would say I'm, as an adult woman, yeah, I'm pretty, I, of course there's lots, I'm a work in progress, but I would say that my sports has helped me in all the capacities of my life to being a tougher person overall. What about, and I'm going to, I want to come to Jill about this too. What about the difference between team sport and individual sports? What, what's your experience about that in terms of how you as a person uh, operate, how it affects you, what it does for you. Um, I've always felt I, I, I've played team sports and I've done individual sports. I've always felt team sports were helpful in terms of my, um, just how I work with people. So, and just in terms of cooperation and interaction, um, what did you find in playing? Let's start with Emily first, then we'll go to Jill. What did you find in playing team sports versus individual? Was there any difference for you in terms of how you experienced it? Um, well, 
I enjoy the team aspect of it um, in many levels. Like I was on the tennis team, even though we played separately, it was great having all these other women to, you know, root for and to, you know, cheer for and have them cheer for you. Like that, that feels great. Um, What feels horrible is if you make a mistake, you know, and then it's your fault that they lost the point. (laughs) For me, that was always really hard. and then if I won the point, I would just be like, well, you should win the point. <laughs> like, I wouldn't, it wouldn't, you know, it was only bad. It didn't, <laughs> only it, feel bad. <laughs> it didn't feel as good as losing the point felt bad. Right. It felt, it was like, oh, it's like, oh, good. I didn't fuck it up again, you know? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. So whereas when I'm on my own and I fuck it up, it's like I get punched in the face or whatever. It's just like, okay, well, I, I. You know, I did that, you know, <laughs> um, and then if I do something good, you know, if I win the fight, then it, it, it's, it is me and my, my training and, you know, whatever that, that won the fight that day. Um, but I, you know, I do enjoy the, the teamwork. I just don't like letting my team down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Does it, uh, it, has it outside of sports had an impact, uh, the team sports uh, aspect or just it's something except do you draw on it let's say in circumstances like as a filmmaker as when you're putting together you know a group of yeah people. i mean even even now like the girls that the people that i coach and i coach men too it's like i i treat them it's like we're a team you know and we go we have a team practice and it's just better that way because you know on your own doing something i mean of course you want to be the best you can be but it's kind of great when you're rising up with other people you know um, it's hard when there's other people in your weight class, you know, because then you're also direct competition, but there's a way to deal with that, you know. What is that way? <laughs> um, not to fight each other <laughs> as much as you can, unless you have to in a tournament. And then if you have to, you fight and then the the winner buys the beer. Nice. You know, nice. you go out, you have a drink and you laugh about it. Um, that's the thing is that, you know, as women, I guess, not our culture does teach us to be kind of more or used to make us more petty, like, you know, and catty. And you see all these movies where women are catty and jealous of each other and rah, rah, rah. And guys would just go and like hit each other and yell at each other and then be best buddies. And like, you know, we can do that too. We just need to be taught it. It's like, yeah, we just let it go. Don't hold on to it. You know, don't make it about ego. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It is about ego. And you just have to be like, okay, today she won that fight. Tomorrow I will win that fight, you know, or, or if you have to do the ego thing, you know, or just, you know, okay, Hey, that was a good fight. We put on a good show. The audience loved it. Nice. Nice. Um, And turn it outward. Yeah. Yeah. We did our best. The audience loved it. And, you know, I just felt it felt great and I've got to work on some things, but, um, you know, back to the gym, I'll work on those things, you know, I guess that's the way to mostly work on it. And everybody has their own time. You know, sometimes this person's going to be in the spotlight and sometimes this person is, and it's never, you learn over time that it's, you know, it's never one way all the time. (laughs) You're going to have your day in the sun somehow, you know, um emily what about you what about your experience of team versus individual sports was there in terms of how you experienced it personally was there uh, much difference a team is is great i i really do well with the socializing aspect of it and those bonds that you form playing on a team with the shared victory and the shared painful losses are, are just like pushing yourself brutally. Because back in the day when, when I was in the Canadian national team too, they they really do things back differently now. So they really were, um, we were running on concrete, training for six hours a day and then having track practice afterwards. Like we were pretty exhausted. And the, the bonds that you form with people like that are lifelong and I made some really good friendships that I that are meaningful to me to this day so and and those contacts have helped me um, throughout my life in terms of like getting a job overseas and um, that just had a formative impact on my life 
And so jujitsu, you sort of are on a team in a way because everyone is, they're all individuals together on a team. But when you go out there to compete by yourself in front of a stadium full of people, that really does a head trip. Well, it did on me anyway, because it, um, for me, it was, um, that created a, a lot of anxiety, but um you're naked in a way because it's just you out there. There's no one else to blame. It's just you. So that teaches um, a lot of fortitude as well. And I think is something that people should experience. Did it make you uh, more comfortable being in the individual case going out? Maybe uh, if you were doing activities that required you to be you know, an individual, whether it's like a lecturing or if it's an acting or anything of that sort, did that, can you, do you draw on those things as well? Do you draw on your experience of being the individual in the ring when you are the individual in other aspects? Or is it just, again, once more, those on off switch kinds of things? Um, that's interesting. I am a somewhat shy person, which you might not think. So I don't naturally, um, it sort of depends on, like if I'm the life of the party, depending on who I'm with, I can also be a bit of a wallflower that observes people. But I, I think you do draw upon that stuff, but it doesn't mean that I am like a type A person that's like always commanding respect or like, you know, look at me. I'm also just sort of a quiet person. So not sure. I would say it's been helpful. Um, That's interesting because it it it, uh, it sort of gives you an opportunity to sort of um, flex a completely different part of your personality and and uh, develop you know develop in a way that perhaps if you'd stuck with activities that that sort of played to that more shy, uh, introverted part of your personality, like those muscles might never have been flexed, but because you, you got to sort of spend time in this other world, it's, it's, uh, it's a nice balance. I would say because I'm six, five, I'm used to having eyeballs on me quite a lot. And so in a way I, I just learned to cope with having by just tunneling my vision and sort of excluding the world as well, instead of like, so sometimes I can like the attention and other times I'm like, ah, uh, I just uh, want to be alone now. Right, right, <laughs> right. Need that all to turn off for a little yeah. while. Yeah, yeah. I want to uh, ask you a little about, uh, for both Jill and Emily, um, cultural and locations. Both of you have, uh, so, Jill, you grew up in the East Coast, uh, and now you're out here. Uh, Emily, you grew up in Canada, and you spent time in the East Coast, both in the New York area and then are out here. But, uh, Emily, you also played sports in Europe. So, for both of you, do you find, what have you found were the differences in terms of how different places and cultures uh, perceive women in sports? Are, are, you know, for example, is Southern California a great place for female athletes is New York City. Is Canada seemingly more encouraging of it? Is Europe? That sort of thing. So uh, either one of you to start. Uh, is there, have you noticed differences depending on where you've practiced your, your sports? Uh, when I lived in Australia, I lived in Canberra where they had the Australia Institute of Sports. And that was a place where the kids go to live there. And so that was um, really um like this national program that really emphasized uh, where kids would like leave home and go live there. So that was really prioritized um, sports. In Canada, it was pretty good too. When I played on the Canadian national team, I got a stipend and I'm not, I don't know if they do that in the States, but that was really helpful. Um, well, was it different in either of those places? Did you find that in terms of being a woman in sports, was it at all different? Or is it just, you know, again, it's, there really wasn't a, um, a difference about gender, just a difference about culture for sports. I'm, I'm curious as to whether, you know, the U.S. is a place that we like to think of promotes 
equality in terms of athletes. Um, but is it is it easier in other places to be a female athlete? When I when I played in Germany and Switzerland, it was the it was clear to me from even on the professional teams that the, these were um, less developed players than in Canada, where we had really good coaching. I would say that the the coaching that I got in Canada was way better than overseas. So if that probably means that there was more of a priority for women's sports there, at least in the program that I was in. Jill, no, I'm not wondering if Jill's having some tech issues. Jill, are you still there with us? Are you okay? Yes, I just put myself on mute because of my oh. dogs. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> got it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Just oh, I thought that was, oh, yeah. So I, I read Dawn's chat message and I thought that was from you. Okay. So, um, so Jill, have, have you found there's any difference just because you're mostly within the States? How about East Coast versus West Coast? Um, or maybe even just for both you and Emily, time frame differences in the way things were 15 years ago versus now? Um, well, I know in New York, there was more of a, like a female boxer community. It was tiny. There was just a few. But for example, at Gleason's gym, they celebrated female fighters. They had their, their um, you know, banners were up on the wall. Oh, um, wonderful. Tell and, the folks about Gleason's Gym, by the way, because that's not just, you, you just name dropped a very, very historical location. So yeah, uh, it, shout it out. I think it's the oldest boxing gym in New York. It's still around. Uh, Tyson trained there. Um, Muhammad Ali trained there. A lot of, uh, you know, Arturo Gotti, um, Pauli Malignaggi. I mean, I guess the names I'm going to pull out are not going to be as well known, but but they train a lot of, there's a lot of world champions that came out of there. When you go in, it looks like a, a movie set. It's like a boxing gym, you know, oh, wow. <laughs> and actually is rented out a lot to be used in movies. Um, but it, uh, yeah, there was more of a community of women. It felt like, like that there was a group of like, cause usually you have to spar, you know, most other women I hear, you have to spar with men, you know, which, which I did that too. It's just that I was so small that it, it just, it was just made more sense for me to spar with women, you know, um, who, who were bigger than me. It was going to be a challenge either way. Um, yeah. Whereas in, in LA, when I came out here and I went to, um, wildcard gym, I mean, it's a cool gym. That's the, another really big boxing gym. But I didn't feel like there was a community there. I feel like I had to create a community there. Mm. Um, people weren't, the other women weren't like being really friendly or nice to me, you know, and not that, you know, you have to, but like, I like that environment. It just makes me, I feel like if we're in this environment, we need to stick together, Absolutely. you know, yeah. and yeah. make a presence and not be, you know, not be embarrassed, like go in the ring and shadow box. Don't, don't, you know, shy away from that. Like, so what, who cares what they think? you know? Yeah. And, um, and so I did find that. And now though, I think I've helped create a really nice community in LA, um, that, you know, and, and there's sparring groups all over now. Like my, my fighters have like three or four different gyms they can go to, um, with other, and they meet other women. And also nice. we have Instagram now, right? So if you see another yes. fighter who's around your weight class and be like, Hey, you want to spar sometime? Like there's all that, you know? Um, which was not around 15 years ago. Well, mm. well done in helping create that. Congratulations. Oh, uh, well, you know, it, it takes more than one person. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> but, but, but I was definitely yeah. supporting it and encouraging it because I, I didn't like how the culture was before. Absolutely. Absolutely. Be the change you want to see. That sort yes, of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and let's make sure to shout out your group flag and we'll talk about that at the end so that the listeners if they're in the area or if they just want to follow it can find out more about it oh sure um emily what about you what about um do you find that your training here uh in southern cal versus your training in new york any difference the the bjj community brazilian jiu-jitsu community um for women was there any difference there or is it more welcoming here what did you find you know, in New York, everybody I, I found is just doing their own thing and everyone's so busy that there wasn't too much. And and being the only woman at times, I wasn't included in a lot of the activities. So um, 
Whereas, you know, you could go to the gym. That was my time with them, but I didn't hang out with people outside of the dojo. Okay. What about just over time for both of you? I mean, now I would guess that, you know, this is a great era for women in sports, for women to be able to participate in sports. Um, What have you noticed? over time over the last few years in terms of the growth the differences and i in particular i'm curious about the attitudes of younger women that you meet uh who are taking up the sports that you're in um are they different is it different than the way you approached it or the way you felt about it there's a whole lot more of women in martial arts and wrestling that's um, offered in colleges now. Things are on offer to women that they didn't even do when I was a, a kid. So that's um, that's very empowering, I think, that people are being given the opportunity to do the sports that weren't even offered before. Have you had any personal interaction with any of uh, any women coming up now? So the you know college uh, coming out of college or just coming into the twenties? Do you find that they're you know they just take it for granted and it's like hey I'm just an athlete and it's not about gender or what? Or Jill, I'm certainly sure you actually are training a lot of people. So what are you finding as well? Um, well, certainly you know uh, women's boxing became an Olympic sport in 2012. Um, and since then, some really amazing pros have come out of it, and people are starting to look at women's boxing. Certain women boxers are getting paid a lot, and of course, the equity of pay across all women's sports is, has been, you know, deplorable. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. But um, but with this, it, it's there seems to be some movement. And, you know, for me, the reason, the only way to get good is to fight. And if you don't have fights, how are you going to get to that level? So mm-hmm. now that we have more women training and fighting and, tra- you know, that's how you get better. So if if you, in the past, like there was like three women boxers, you know, <laughs> right. you just fight each other all the time and, you know, you can only reach a certain level. Um, right. But now when there's more, it creates more um competition and there's there's a deeper um like i say it's a deep bench right, right. <laughs> it's a deeper bench of, of of fighters who are really talented and really skilled and who have been training and who are dedicated and are showing up and uh yeah i see there was actually i was at the women's boxing hall of fame in vegas um, last week, and there was this adorable 11 year old girl who's like been in Nike commercials. Oh my and God. She got on the stage, and she's like, of course, one of those viral video punching phenomenons. And she got on stage, and she they told her to say it. And she said, I want to be an Olympic medalist, and I want to be a world champion. Nice. And it was so cute. And it was just also the power of like when you say something into a group you know, and how yes. that is powerful. And um, just, you know, imagine having the courage to say that as, as a little girl, you know. Yeah. And then yeah. she's saying it to all these, like, amazing athletes because there's a lot of world champion females in there, you know. But they had um, – it was probably a lot harder. It was a lot harder for them. She's got a supportive coach, a supportive family, you know. And she um, has women who have blazed the trail in front of her to to follow, you know to uh, sit on the shoulders of those giants, right? Sure. Christy Martin kind of is taking her under her wing. Um, Her name is uh, Zoe Bustamante, if you ever want to look her up. Um, She's adorable and soft-spoken, and then she gets in and she's, like, really skilled. (laughs) It's really fun to watch. So so that's great to see, you know. That's not something I would have seen when I was young, right? Right, yeah. Well, we had Title IX in the 70s, and that, Mm -hmm. you know, really – Really helped move uh, the cor- the the population, I guess, popularity and presence and um, ubiquitousness of women women's sports in individual and teams uh, forward a giant step. Now, as Jill, as you mentioned, we've got this fight for pay equity, and uh, we're trying to. Um, you know, the, the Women's Soccer League uh, uh, specifically has been on the forefront of this, or at least has been in the headlines recently, uh, pursuing um, 
SDU, SSF, uh, for violation of the Equal Pay Act and Title VII, mm -hmm. uh, Civil Rights Act. So um, as, as a coach now and as former uh, athletes, have you, what, how do you feel about this, um, this issue? And uh, what do you, you know, what are your thoughts? Do you see this changing in the future? Do you see um, the possibility of advance or do you think it's going to be a long, hard fight? Um, you know, I'm, what I, I'm trying to solve problems. So what I feel about it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, obviously no one's going to be happy or going to be angry or whatever, but if I focus on that, we're not going to solve the problem. So what I've been doing, I've been looking at, you know, gee, look at what Billie Jean King did for the tennis league. She formed her own, the Virginia Slims tournament. She had, uh, form, had like the original nine. Uh, sign a contract for a dollar and they played in their own league. They got a big sponsor, Virginia Slims, and started, you know, getting paid and being seen as more of like, they became a, like their, their things were sold out. So if that's the way to do it, and Invicta is a league in MMA, all women, and uh, now they funnel their fighters into the UFC, right? So I think, I mean, maybe it has to be that way where we have to create our own um, events and um, draw attention to them and promote them. I mean, I, I think with the UFC also, what they did great is they had the Ultimate Fighter reality show. And so we got to know all of the fighters and we cared about them more. Nice. So that way they went in the ring where we cared more about what happened. And then we started to learn more about, about the sport. So I would really love to hear more of their, I mean, also as a filmmaker, I want to tell their stories. Right. You know, I want to hear yes. the stories. I want to tell their stories. I want to know what they're going through because often it, it, there's just so much more gravitas than just the, the fight or just the game, you know? Yeah. 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 It reminds me of Rose Roman in the fifties. Um, the women's, uh, she, she led a group of women professional wrestlers in suing the wrestling league because the wrestling league was giving preferential um, bookings to their male wrestlers. And, um, and in protest uh, to that, she sued the league and she won. And, uh, and as a celebration, she, she staged an all female evening of wrestling in one of the biggest venues in Chicago and, um, and only allowed women spectators in mm. the stadium and uh and it caused a riot <laughs> so she you know she she did this as a way to really bring attention to the issue and uh to get people familiar with what um with the fight that women were having to fight yeah billy jean king's has a great quote where she says everyone thinks women should be thrilled when we get crumbs and i want women to have the cake the icing and the cherry on top too you know? Wonderful. Oh, I love that. Um, back, uh, the, the, gap gen the gap between the two <laughs> genders. Um, in 1970, the men's winner of this tournament was Illy Nastasi, and he earned 3500 while Billy Jean King got 600 Wow. And that was acceptable back then. They said they had a total of $5,000 as a prize they could give out to women for the whole year. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 It's got to change. I, yeah. I but think, I mean, yeah. I have to look at history, you know, but like, gee, how do we make this change? Well, I think I have to look at history. Is it going to be easy? Probably not because, you know, it's very threatening to certain people. You know? Right. Right. But you have to attack it on a multiple of fronts. You know, the, the lawsuits are definitely one way to go about it. But as you're saying, like changing public opinion and allowing people to, to become personally connected to individual female athletes is a terrific way to advocate for uh, change happening. Well, once you humanize anyone, I mean, I've always been for humanizing subcultures, right? Right. You humanize everyone, like, oh my God, she's just like me, or I, you know, I like, like, you know, um, it, that's what gets people interested is yeah. there's their stories, you know? Absolutely. 
I think what happens too is sometimes it's the gatekeepers and not the public because I've found, you know, when I talk to people about women's sports, talk to guys about women's sports, if they've watched women's sports, they know how exciting I personally, I find women's MMA extremely exciting. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just an intense battle. Same thing that happens with women box, women's boxing, but sometimes the gatekeepers, the guys who maybe are even earlier generations don't have that awareness and they will block that from being seen. So you're right, as you, as you say, Jill, you've got to do your own thing. When you do your own thing, you bring the product to people, they see how exciting the product is, and they'll watch it. I mean, I've always believed that there's no real reason the public wouldn't like women's sports. They liked women's sports in ancient Rome. They'll like women's sports, you know, now, even in ancient Greece, which we have, uh, Don and I have our issues about when we talk about how the Greeks treated, the ancient Greeks treated, treated women, uh, they still had female participation in certain sports. Uh, yeah. so it's there, it's been part of human existence. So, um, it's just about getting people to, to see it the way you're doing it, uh, Jill, with the stuff in your filmmaking. Um, what, what do you think, Emily, in terms of just, um, I'd like to hear about what you think about the, sort of the state of like, you know, women's sports, people's interest in it. And who are like your, the athletes you like now, who are the athletes you're interested in or you find? Uh, thrilling to watch the women athletes. You know, I'm just not really aware. Like women's sports don't really come across my field of vision. They, I just don't, uh, I don't, there's a, I guess women's sports are impoverished in terms of marketing or just getting out there. So I even am unaware of what's really going on aside from knowing the names Venus and Serena Williams I'm not aware of the stories. Um, for a time, I was aware of Ronda Rousey, and then that kind of faded away. She was like a, a good villainess that you loved or hated. But um, it just seems that it's sort of a circular thing. Do we have no awareness of women's sports because the sports are inherently boring, or is it because nobody is telling the story and bringing it up to the forefront, which I think is just we're not it's not being marketed really so even like if you look at the products or for marketing for women's sports it's maybe watches clothes versus men it's subway sandwiches it's so much bigger right for, for women everything is smaller there just seems to be less um product even being presented or less stories being coming across our field of vision well, what and would even, you like? Even, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, even the way it's pre presented, like I, I, um, I took a class in um, filmmaking, and one of the little modules that that we looked at was the way in the '80s, the way that filmmaking entered the NFL, and the way that they shot the games, just leveled up by this enormous jump in order to create this incredible sort of um, feeling of being there and this frenzy and this excitement surrounding the sport and that kind of like marketing and presentation uh, just doesn't seem to be present in women's sports. The NFL films, I have to say, as a, as a football fan, I, that I think almost... Any football fan will tell you that growing up and watching NFL films, it really, you're, you're right, it really made you so excited about the product because it turned it into this mythical, epic event. Every game, every player, every team seemed like something out of mythology. So, right, yeah. you know, I was, I was thinking, Emily, in terms of you saying you're not seeing those athletes out there and thinking in terms of, Jill, the stuff that you're doing, and even Dawn, you and I, we're, these are things that we can start to look into. It's like, what could we do to really move this stuff out there? So what, Jill, you're doing it with the documentaries. Uh, do you have anything sort of like you're planning to kind of promote some of the things or to showcase, because you were talking about how you'd like to see more about these individual athletes? Yeah, I've actually been talking to um, a promoter about, a project that where we would get to know the fighters, you know, in, in a, in a tournament or in a fight situation, like see if we can get that off the ground. Mm -hmm. um, you know, look in, in 2008 or 2007, no, it was 2006. I started making my movie and I was trying to pitch a show, a reality show about women boxers. And everyone told me that public does not want to see women fight. 
Oh, we don't want to God. see that fight. That then is in so two, wrong. That is so well, wrong. Two, <laughs> I don't think that's true. No, it's not. Yeah, it's well, completely well, wrong. Then look what happened. Then 2015, who's the biggest sports star in the world? Ronda Rousey. Right. So, right. you know, that that's the problem. <laughs> it's like she was marketed. And also she happened to be a pretty blonde white woman, you know? Right. Yes. Um, that so certainly that, doesn't hurt. Yeah. You know, the, so there's that aspect of it too, right? Um, but that's... You know, now, oh, wait, now people enjoy watching women fight. How did that happen? Well, it was promoting. Um, she had to get people who got behind her. And yeah, she's a great personality, you know. Right. She, you know, she is a star, you know. So yeah. we need to get behind those kinds of women, you know, yeah. and, and not just white women. You know, let's get behind some other women who, who could, you know, and hold them up high. Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. It's, it's interesting, yeah. Jill. I, I always think of you when I think of that Rousey home fight because Holly Holm was a fighter I watched. She was a boxer. I know you know that. And she was uh, first a boxer. Well, she was a kickboxer, then a professional boxer, and then went to MMA. And she defeated Rousey. I, I'm a fan of Holm because she's a real tough fighter. But I think of you because I always remember you said it's the losses that you look at with a fighter and how they handle the losses. And she just strikes me as the kind of fighter that she does. She gets right back up. She'll lose and she'll just get right back up and fight. And I think that's an example of how, yeah, people do like female athletes and admire them and look at them. I look at her no differently than I look at John Jones or somebody else in the, the fight game, you know, yeah. Khabib. You know, yeah. she's just a tough she's, fighter. She's a warrior. Yeah. yeah. All my respect. Yeah. I mean, when I see a fighter take a loss and then go back in there, you know, um, that's always like, you know, highest, highest respect, you know? Yeah. So getting marketing, that sort of thing, I think really, uh, like you say, would be really interesting in the different kinds of projects that are out there. Mm -hmm. Um, let's just kind of, as we're coming sort of to the end, coming to up to the hour, just kind of your final thoughts from both of you on just, you know, personally, your personal journey and, and being a female athlete and just kind of where you see things going, where you would like to see them go, let's say. Maybe that's what to go on a helpful note. Uh, where would you like to see women's sports in the next five, ten years? Uh, well, first, first, I wanted to actually give a shout out. There's a, there's a couple of groups. There's a group called Girls Just Want a Box out of Toronto. And they are like they have a similar style of teaching as me, and they're raising women up. And it's and like me, we teach fighters and teach, you know, um, teach women who just want to learn boxing, you know. And then there's also Sue Fox who runs the Women's Boxing Hall of Fame, and you know, is has her own website about women's boxing and women's history. And it's like these people are are the pioneers of of doing things, you know. Um, of, of putting it out there in such a way that it, it's cool and we want to learn about it. So I just wanted to um, mention then, and then where it's going to go. I mean, look, I'm a positive person. I'm always going to think it's going to, it's just got to get better. You know, I have to, we have to be positive, right? I mean, right, what are you right, doing? Right. It's going to go down the shitter, you know, no, it's, it's, <laughs> it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Women are going to be, you know, more popular than men um, to fight. Cause I mean, their fighters fights are just better. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. I can also, if you could give me the links to those two groups too, or any groups that you think people should know about, we'll, you know, We'll put them out on social media and put it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We will. Uh, we'll do our best to raise that to to give them a bump and raise their profile. And and you also mentioned Invicta, the women's MMA league. Let's definitely boost them as well. Yes. I have to give them a shout out because I actually got to know Shannon now because oh, we good. we awarded her our. Uh, uh, you might remember actually, Jill. She was. We gave her an award at our first Artemis Film Festival, and I have been to many Invicta tournaments. And I met, I've met Shannon. She's a very, she's a wonderful person, and uh, what she did for women's MMA is incredible. So we will definitely give Invicta a shout out. Great. How about you, Emily? What what would you where do you see what would you like to see uh, uh, women's sports? In the uh, sports has been just so good for me, getting an education and seeing the world, and just developing confidence and having life experiences that I hope my hope is and I think it is changing that sports will be seen less as something that masculinizes women and instead we can get over whether judging women on their sexuality or their hotness 
that always is sort of being commented on and instead seeing them as just athletes and that being the focus instead of like the clickbait of whether or not someone is cute. And I think women are tough. They're so tough. Women, now that I've trained with men, I realize that men aren't really that tough. There are a lot of wimpy guys out there. Women are tough. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just hope that more and more young girls and women just embrace martial arts and sports in general. Amen. All right. And on that, I just want to thank our two guests. Uh, we have Jill Morley. Jill, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> of course, you get your all your applause. And Emily, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you so much, Sean. Nice meeting you, everybody. Yes, nice meeting you too. And Dawn, thank you, uh, as always, for uh, on the journey. That Absolutely, take thank you, Sean, for uh, for holding down the other half of this uh, wonderful podcast and. Um, and Gotta give sports you. a shout out. Absolutely, absolutely. And thanks to our audience for joining us on this podcast today. So this has been the 34 Cersei Salon, Make Matriarchy Great. Again, we've been talking women in sports. We will be back again with you soon. Take care. Take care, everyone, and blessed be.